You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. If you think about it, each of us is really two people. There's the side we show to the outside world each day, and then there's the side we keep hidden. The side almost no one else knows about, except for maybe a partner or a close friend. Chris Caradini was also two people, but he made sure that everyone was aware of all of his different sides. He kept nothing secret. Chris was born in London in May of 1922. His father was a World War I veteran, and his mother was an Edwardian beauty who inspired numerous portraits and sculptures from the greatest artists of her time. Sadly, his parents were not happily married, and they divorced by the time he was six years old. He went to live with his mother and older sister in Switzerland, where he developed an interest in acting. His first role was as the title character in a grade school production of Rumpelstiltskin. As he got older, he continued to act, but eventually took a break to focus on his studies. Chris took up fencing and cricket, and even tried his hand at sports like rugby and boxing, although he wasn't particularly good at those. Chris was forced to get a job during his last year at school when both of his parents lost their incomes. He took a position at a shipping company as a mail clerk. And then, in 1939, he followed in his father's footsteps and joined up with the Finnish army. Their winter war had begun against the Soviets three months after the start of World War II. He didn't serve long, though. He and the other volunteers had been posted as guards far from the front lines. They spent two weeks in Finland before coming home again. Chris went back to work at the shipping company for a short time and then enlisted in World War II after his father died from pneumonia in 1940. This time, Chris joined the Royal Air Force. He traveled to southern Rhodesia with plans to fly solo, but those plans crashed and burned after a series of headaches and eye problems forced him to give up his dream. Despite being grounded, though, Chris found other ways to support the war effort. For one, he became a reliable intelligence officer, making a name for himself as a man who could not only get things done, but also rally the troops and keep everyone on task. He spoke several languages as well, including German, Italian, and French, which made him a valuable asset to the military. His tour of duty sent him everywhere. South Africa, Libya, Tunisia, Italy, and countless other parts of the globe during his years with the Royal Air Force. After the war, he hunted down and interrogated Nazi war criminals. Chris's time in the Royal Air Force had changed him. Upon returning home, he no longer felt like the office life was for him. But he was at a loss for what to do next. It was his cousin, Niccolo, who suggested that he try his hand at acting. Niccolo even knew of a producer who could help him break into the business. Shortly after meeting with a few producers, Chris signed a seven-year contract with an agent named David Henley. The roles Henley would be able to get him were small at first. A line here, an unspoken part there. 
He performed alongside some of the greatest actors who had ever graced the screen, including Laurence Olivier and Gregory Peck, but hardly said a word. He didn't break out until the early 1950s, several years into his career. He began starring in horror films made by Hammer, a British studio that had cast him as Frankenstein's monster, as well as a career-defining role as a certain famous vampire. From there, Chris's roles only got better. He appeared in critically and commercially successful films, including an installment in the James Bond franchise, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy, and the Star Wars prequels. In 2010, when he was 88 years old, Chris released a hit heavy metal album. It was the first of several. He loved to sing and took a particular interest in metal after hearing Black Sabbath perform in the 1970s. It seems that there wasn't anything this man could do. By the time he died in 2015, Christopher Frank Carandini Lee had been an actor, singer, author, audiobook narrator, voiceover artist, and of course, a war hero. He had seen and experienced more than most people, perhaps evident best in an interaction between Lee and director Peter Jackson on the set of the third Lord of the Rings film, The Return of the King. Jackson was instructing Lee on how to act after being stabbed by another character. Lee, calling back to his time during the war, turned to Jackson and said, Have you any idea what kind of noise happens when somebody's stabbed in the back? Because I do. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. This episode is sponsored by Intuit. Here's a story for you. Once upon a time, a young woman was haunted by the ghosts of bad financial decisions, with credit card debt and an empty savings account looming over her every day. But when she tried to ignore these ghosts, they only grew bigger and scarier, and these ghosts of her bad financial decisions were stopping her from living her best life. So she decided to face them head-on and take control of her finances with help from Intuit. Intuit helps you face your financial fears with confidence through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it.
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. The year is 1866, and a seven-year-old boy walks along a street near his family home on 20th Street in Lower Manhattan. He's recently been diagnosed with asthma, and being raised in a world that teaches the superiority of the manly man, he isn't quite feeling on top of things. After all, his aspirations lay in doing the things his father did. All those manly things like hunting, boxing, and athletics. And while his family has not given up on curing his asthma, providing him numerous doctor-recommended practices, such as strong coffee and midnight carriage rides, these symptoms still threaten to hamper the boy's life. As he passes a small market, he sees a display out front with a harbor seal carcass on ice. Now, this may sound strange to the modern listener, but at the time, harbor seals were common in New York Harbor and could be found at just about any market that sold food goods. Fascinated by the carcass, the boy asked the vendor how much for the whole thing. The vendor looked at him quizzically, perhaps questioning how the boy would even carry it, even if he could afford it. And then he gave him a price, a price that is unfortunately out of the budget of the young boy. It's important to point out at this point that a full-grown harbor seal weighs, on average, 130 pounds, and the average 7-year-old, never mind the frailties of an asthmatic 7-year-old, weighs maybe 50. Regardless, determined not to be defeated yet again, the boy countered, how much for just the head? By this point, the vendor is so amused by the whole ordeal that he agrees to give the boy the seal's head as a gift, and promptly cuts it off and hands it over. Carrying it home with a gleeful smile, the boy goes straight to the kitchen and pulls out his mom's cooking pot, filling it with water and heating it to a rolling boil before dropping the seal's head into the pot and waiting as it slowly boiled off skin, sinew, and gristle. In time, there was nothing left but the skull, exactly as the boy had planned. After bearing the brunt of his mother's frustrations at the soiling of her cookware, the boy begins his collection in his bedroom the seal head the first of what would become many more such items. He enlisted the help of two cousins and officially formed his own mini-museum of, for lack of a better description, dead animal parts. Raised in a family with plentiful members and household staff, many of whom frequented his room to clean and simply pass through, the boy was often begged to move his collection to somewhere more out of the way so they wouldn't have to see all the macabre pieces anymore. And the boy listened, moving his growing collection of now 12 items to the less frequented back stairwell of the three-story family home. By the age of nine, he had codified his collection of insects in a paper titled The Natural History of Insects, 
And at the ripe age of 12, he donated some of his items, a dozen mice, a bat, a turtle, four bird's eggs, and the skull of a red squirrel, to the Museum of Natural History. But this was just the beginning for this asthmatic young man, who had suddenly found his calling in life. Just 11 short years later, he would donate 622 preserved birds to the Smithsonian. This young boy would go on to found nearly 300 natural preserves, parks, and forests during his lifetime, as well as expanding the reach of the Museum of Natural History, including making numerous donations to the museum himself. He went on fabled expeditions into the Amazon, into Africa, and into the American West. He danced with death more than his fair share, and even today remains one of the most fabled characters of American history. Not to mention the role he's best known for, being President of the United States. The boy's name? Theodore Roosevelt. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.